This is Saving Grace, Living in Light of God's Love, a podcast ministry brought to you by Grace School of Theology, a seminary to the world committed to the truth of Scripture and life application through the lens of grace. Hello and welcome to Saving Grace, Living in Light of God's Love. I'm Carmen Pate, your host for this podcast. Consider this. The sovereign, all-powerful God of the universe chose to reveal Himself to mankind for the purpose of drawing people to a loving, eternal relationship and intimate fellowship with Him, fellowship with the triune God, whereby He receives deserved honor and glory. How has God revealed Himself? Well, here to help us explore... God's divine revelation to mankind is Dr. Mark Haywood. Dr. Haywood is Vice President of Student Services and Assistant Professor of Bible Exposition at Grace School of Theology. Dr. Haywood is also pastor and founder of God's Household of Faith in Houston. He previously served as Dean of Students at College Biblical Studies. Dr. Haywood holds a Master's of Theology from Dallas Theological Seminary and a Juris Doctor from John F. Kennedy University, and he's currently working on his doctorate in ministry right here at Grace School of Theology. Thank you, Dean Haywood. Thank you. Well, you know, we know that you have given your life to biblical studies as a student, uh, as a professor, uh, as a pastor. What fuels your passion for God's Word and Jesus Christ that just prompts you to, to share this love for others? Well, when I, uh, when I got saved, um, all I wanted to do was grab my Bible and uh, a bunch of books and just go study about God and just fall deeper in love with Him. And the more I studied and the more God shared with me, the more I realized the um, responsibility to share with other people. Uh, And so much so um, that I'm at the point where uh, one of my primary missions is to eradicate biblical illiteracy in our churches. Oh, wow. That is a wonderful goal. And, 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 you know, it's something that is a concern as we think about what's going on in the world. And so much of it is the fact that people aren't in the Word. They don't know truth. You're so right. Yes. Oh, wow. Well, we're going to be talking today about God's divine revelation to man. And I thought it might be helpful just uh, to give a working definition, if you will, for divine revelation. What, what do we mean sure, by that? Sure. The way that? I see divine revelation is God's uh, self-disclosure to humanity. It's God um, basically explaining to us or sharing with us who he is and what his plan is all about. Mm, Wow. And how incredible. He would want to do that. Amazing. Amazing. And how can you not want to study God's word just to know that very fact? Oh, makes me love him more. Well, you speak of two types of revelation, general revelation, special revelation. Let's break these two down if we could, beginning with general revelation. What is it that God has communicated through general revelation? I like to look at general revelation as having basically three flavors, if you will. Mm-hmm. One being nature. Some people call it natural theology. Uh, but it's where uh, in Psalm 19, the heavens declare your glory, Lord. Mm-hmm. And so we can know that there is uh, a God uh, just because uh, we can look at the plants, the trees, the stars, the moon, how they all interact with one another, how they, how they all uh, harmonize 
if you will. And so one flavor is uh, his nature or the nature that he's created. The second flavor is what we call human consciousness. And that's where uh, Romans 1, 19 and 20, where God has displayed his invisible attributes. And so he has given um, humanity this recognition that God exists. Mm -hmm. And then the third is what I would call divine providence, where God has spoken through events uh, throughout history over the years. Wow. And, you know, if we just think back over our, our Christian walk with the Lord, uh, or even before, we know we've seen evidences of those things that you're discussing. Sure. I know I walk every morning at sunrise and then at sunset. And just to see his sunrise, oh, man. Uh, it is an incredible, the creativity, the beauty, yes. uh, and, and yes. the majesty that you know that we have a, a, a divine designer. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I was... All. I was riding down the freeway uh, last week, in fact, and saw two rainbows. Oh. Not one rainbow, but yeah. two. And, I mean, it just kind of blew me away, and it uh, helped me just to reflect on the uh, the majesty, the power, yes. uh, the uh, awesomeness of God. Yes, and, and you mentioned the providence. You know, how many times in our life we just see how God orchestrated events and, and bringing people into our lives sure. and circumstances, and we know His hand Absolutely. is in Ab our life. Absolutely. And so that's one of the ways in which God speaks uh, uh, in His revelation is through events throughout history. Wow. Well, Romans 1, 19 and 20 says, For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and His divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. Wow. So what is God communicating here through Paul's writing about not only his love on one hand, but his justice on the other. Absolutely, and he's uh, acknowledging that uh, he is the supreme being. He is all-powerful. Yeah. He is all-knowing, and through uh, his creation, we can come to know that God exists. Yeah, and so we and we can't say I had no idea there was a God. I've not seen any evidence of that. Paul clearly indicates that we're without excuse. Without excuse, absolutely. Well, God has shown us much about Himself through general revelation, but you teach that these truths uh, are not adequate for one to obtain salvation. Uh, so. That brings us to special revelation, I assume. Sure. Yeah, yeah general revelation can lay the foundation to um, help a person understand that God exists. Okay. But it requires a special revelation to um, have people receive justification or go through the salvation process, if you will. Okay, so give us some examples then of special revelation. Yeah, I look at special revelation as two flavors, uh, one being the incarnate word, which would be Jesus Christ. Remember, John says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, the whole logos, if you will. Yes. And so the incarnate word would be Jesus, and then, of course, the written word, uh, our uh, scripture. Uh, God says it's God-breathed. And so uh, we have those two flavors. And throughout history, we've seen him display special revelation through, um, in the Old Testament, the Urim and the Thummim. And mm. people say, what in the world is yes. that? Uh, but it's uh, these uh, jewels that would light up on the breastplate of um, the priest. And in some way, God would speak um, to his people through uh, that method. And that was considered special revelation. Um, through the prophets, you had what we would call two types 
types of um, revelation or two types of prophecy, foretelling and forthtelling. Mm -hmm. And foretelling is typically what we see as predicting the future. Uh -huh. uh, and then forthtelling would be preaching the text. Uh, and so many times the prophets would remind them of Leviticus 26 or Deuteronomy 28, the blessings and the curses. Mm -hmm. And so um, those are examples throughout the years of special revelation. Yes. And so now we, we mentioned the Urim in which we wouldn't see that today necessarily. That's right. That's right. Uh, the prophets of today, we might not have foretelling, but we would have forthtelling. Absolutely. Correct? Absolutely. So, and that truly is declaring what God has already revealed Absolutely. in his word. Yeah. And so today God is speaking through Jesus Christ, his son, and of course, yes. obviously his written word. And through his written word. Praise God for that. Yes. So you referenced, have referenced in your teaching, Christ's instructions to the disciples regarding how to pray. Sure. You know, people today often refer to it as the Lord's Prayer, although right. I like to think of the Lord's Prayer in John 15. But sure. uh, but but this, we're talking about uh, uh, Matthew 6, 8 through 13. Uh, you say that actually is is an example of special yeah. revelation. Explain. Yeah, I, I see it as a uh, an example of special revelation because it begins to reveal God's theocratic plan. Okay. Um, as I uh, study God's Word and I look at all 66 books, the biblical meta-narrative that we identify is God's sovereign right to rule on earth as He does in heaven, His right to love and to be loved. So with this big picture in mind, Jesus begins to teach the disciples how to pray, and the first thing He tells them is uh, to pray that God's will will be done, that God's kingdom will come. And so that's all a part of what I would call His revelation of the, the big picture that he's setting up, God's sovereign right to rule on earth as he does in heaven, his right to love and to be loved. Wow. And so the disciples hearing that for the first time may, may be thinking, wow, his kingdom is going to come. Absolutely. He's already announcing that and that his will be done on earth as it as is it in is heaven. In heaven. And yeah. so you can hear clearly that biblical meta narrative that, that I just mm -hmm. uh, stated to you. Yes, absolutely. And it should prompt us to want to dig deeper to, to uh, see how his rule is in heaven so absolutely. that we understand uh, how sovereign he is. Absolutely. Uh, on earth. Wow. Talk about the two special revelations that are living. Uh, you, you mentioned the incarnate word and the written word. Uh, talk, let's talk about those. The fact that they are living has such significance, does it, for us sure, today? Sure. Living uh, in, with, the, with respect to the incarnate word, uh, Jesus is, as we speak, making intercession for us. He's pleading our cause. He's pleading our case. And so he's living, he's active, he's participating in each one of our lives. Uh, as you uh, remember uh, in reading Second uh, uh, Corinthians chapter 5, he who knew no sin um, took on sin that we might become the righteousness of God in him that is Christ Jesus. And so uh, as we look at the incarnate word on this side of the fence, uh, we see that he is uh, without a sin. As we look at the living written word, we see that uh, the original autographs are without error. Uh, and so uh, the written word is active uh, and mm -hmm. it's uh, sharper than a two-edged sword. And so these are the things that we talk about with respect to both the living incarnate word and the living written word. Yes, yes. And, and I just love that picture of Christ interceding for us oh, because wow. the enemy is still accusing 
accusing us, isn't he? Absolutely. And and that's his job. His job is to uh, accuse us in heaven and attack us on earth. Mm. Uh, And so uh, I thank God that uh, we have an intercessor uh, that's speaking on our behalf. Yes, yes. I always think back to when uh, Christ knew that Peter was going to betray him, and yes. and 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 he's and he's told him, you know, that yeah. Satan has asked to shift, uh, sift you as Absolutely. wheat, but I've prayed for yes. you. Yes, isn't that something? Oh, I wow. think of that so often. Mm-hmm. Uh, how how in those moments when I'm I maybe have fear sure. of the attacks of the enemy, sure. I'm reminded that yes. that Christ is there praying for me. Amen. And he will bring us through. Thank it's a you, beautiful, Lord. yes, it's a beautiful picture. It is. And then as you talk about the the written word being alive, and I think for our listeners, you know, you know, you get into the word if you've been a believer for any time at all, you realize, you know, there'll be a passage that you've read over and over and yes. over and over again. Yes. But you yeah. read it one day and you go, oh, my goodness, mm-hmm. I've never read it that way. It's yes. never spoken to me that yes. way. Uh, I find that confirming that that God's word is alive and yes. still working in my life. Yes. Have you had those experiences? Oh, absolutely. And the information was already there. It's just that uh, at that moment, the Holy Spirit revealed to you what was already there and took you to another level of understanding of that particular uh, passage. But, yes, um, yes the, the Word of God is so powerful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, uh, of course, um, you know, we have to remember that it is the Word that will uh, keep us, if you will, uh, when we're in uh, times of trouble, times of difficulty, and in times of success. Uh, remember the psalmist in 119, he said something very interesting. And 119 is is really all about God's word. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the psalmist said, you know, thy word have I hid in my heart so that I might not sin against thee. Yes. And, and so when we are uh, met with a challenge, it's better to be able to hang on to God's word uh, than yes. some cutesy phrase out of uh, some other uh, a book that we don't even know what the where the author is coming from. Yes, from, so that has no life at all. Absolutely, yes, yes, Absolutely. yes. Wow. And you know, I uh, uh, had shared with Dr. Wall when we had him on the program re- recently, but I think it's relevant here as well. You had you had referenced the the providence of God, sure. the special revelation, mm-hmm. and again thinking about the living word, how how. Because God knows what he's orchestrating our day to look at. Like he knows the people that he's going to bring before us and into our lives. He gives us the word that morning if we'll look into it. Yes. To 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 use yes. to impact that person or even even ourselves, absolutely. right? Absolutely, absolutely, and he's able to do that. Um, and 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 that's the beauty of studying God's word. It it, it keeps us, it leads us, and guides us. Um, many saints. You know, good-meaning Christians, when they go through uh, difficult times, uh, they are ready to throw in the towel because they haven't really understood or studied God's Word to keep them during those tough times. Oh, it's so true. It's so true. And how do you uh, encourage those who are listening who have failed? Mm -hmm. And it seems like in our times of failure, uh, even though we may have confessed our sin uh, it's like, ooh, I don't know if I want to get into God's Word today because uh, I don't want to read those things that are going to make me feel shame or make me feel guilt. How would 
would you respond to someone who pulls away from the Word for those kinds of reasons? I would say that uh, that's the very moment that you ought to get into the Word. That's the very moment that you should dig even deeper because uh, while we all need to be, and I'll use uh, one of the words uh, from my uh, mom and dad, we all need to get a good spanking every now and then uh, by the Word of God. Uh, uh, but uh, also, it's not just designed to spank. It's just yeah. not designed to reproof or correct, but it's designed to teach, to instruct. Mm -hmm. And so uh, when we're off track, the best way to get back on track is to get into the, to God's Word. Paul reminds us that his word is profitable. Yes. All right. And then he uh, lists a series of things why it's so profitable. And so, uh, and again. And let's go through that, through that list. Uh, well, he talks about one is for teaching and, yes. and one is for reproof and, and correction and, and for righteousness. Mm -hmm. And so, again, uh, all of these things, if you want to get right, uh, you know, if yeah. you will, use that uh, term, then you need to get into God's word. Mm -hmm. And he's ready to to teach you, to Absolutely. guide you, His Holy Spirit Absolutely. in us, to help you understand it. And Absolutely. And I think the more we study God's Word, I think we get a totally different picture mm -hmm. of who God is and the fact that uh, if our mom and dad... Uh, loved us enough to correct us at certain times, make us to, uh, made us to uh, stay on track, how much more God, and He is, is uh, omnibenevolent. He is 100% uh, loving, more so than our parents. So how much more uh, uh, of a loving uh, God we can trust in and we can rely on. And so we get into His Word and know, know that, and people run from the Word because they don't understand or know God. Uh, and understand his, his character. character. That's yeah. right. That's right. And so he wants to love you back into <laughs> uh -huh. uh, being on the right track. He really does. You had mentioned earlier that you, what prompted you to get want to study the word more was so that you could love him more. Sure. And and didn't you find? I know I have that you can't help but love him more. Absolutely. The more you read the word, absolutely, you can't help but love him more. You see his love coming through every aspect yes. of the Bible. Yes. It's just a, a beautiful, Incredible. beautiful thing. Incredible. Yes. Now, next week, when we have you back, we're going to be talking about practical methods of studying the Bible and mm -hmm. how to study God's Word. Sure. But you teach uh, from the perspective that the Bible is a theocentric story. Yeah. Would you explain what you mean by that? Meaning that it's God-centered. Um, that the entire story of God, remember, I said the biblical meta-narrative is God's sovereign right to rule on earth as he does in heaven, his yes. right to love and to be loved. And the key player in making all this happen is God sends his son to, um, to save the world, if you will. And uh, after uh, his son defeats uh, all of the enemies, he turns over the kingdom to the Father. And so when you uh, hear me talk about it being a theocentric uh, Bible or a theocentric book, uh, it's that it's God-centered. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and then all bringing, telling Christ's story Absolutely. from beginning to end. Absolutely. I uh, had opportunity to hear a speaker recently where he found Christ in every book oh, of yeah. the Bible. Yes. Absolutely. Matter of fact, um, I was uh, teaching at a, um, a conference in a little small town in Texas, and uh, one of my uh, former students, um, we did a little tag team, and uh, when he came up at the end, he cited 
um, how Christ could be seen in every book of the Bible, and and he did it straight from memory, which was pretty exciting. Oh, yeah, yes. Absolutely. Wow. It was fun to see it. Oh, well, and it's so encouraging, too, as we defend our faith and love, uh, because there are a lot of skeptics today. There, you know, and, and why would I want to go to the Old Testament, or why, you know, but to be able to point out uh, that Christ is there, and absolutely. it also prompts them to search for him in those scriptures, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, uh, so, so if we're uh, looking at God's word from the perspective of a theocentric story, what about theology? Well, uh, just keep in mind that um, theology is the study of God, and um, this is one of the primary things that we do here is to study God. But um, keep in mind the, the goal is not uh, teaching people to just fill their heads up with facts or knowledge or information, mm-hmm. but really the goal is for one, to pe- for people to fall in love with the greatest author of the greatest book ever written, mm-hmm. uh, which yes. is a phrase I could steal from my old professor, uh, Dr. Hendricks. Um, but, you know, I, I teach all the time that you come to my class and the goal is is for you to fall deeper in love with the Lord. Yes. And then as you fall deeper in love with him, you apply uh, the scriptures uh, to your life. Uh, just uh, letting him know, hey, I love you and I'm I'm showing you that I love you as I apply the text to my life as mm-hmm. well. Absolutely. Well, and, you know, I think about uh, getting into the Word. There's There are so many principles that we, we need to learn. And as I yeah. mentioned, next week we'll talk about some just some practical helps in studying the Bible. But, but for today's purposes, uh, some of the things that you've mentioned that we must look at are, is look at it historically. Sure. Uh, talk about the importance of understanding the day that it was written and how it should apply to us sure, today. Sure. Yeah, I, I teach the literal, grammatical, historical approach with context. And I like to add that with context. Uh, and what I mean by that is we take the literal approach and it's simply you take the plain sense of the text unless it makes no sense. All right. And so you're reading the words and you're taking them uh, at their actual meanings, uh, their customary usage and what have you. Um, many times they'll make no sense if you take the plain sense of the text uh, when it's uh, figurative or symbolic language. Okay. And, of course, we, we deal with that all the time in our everyday uh, English uh, language. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, sometimes there will be figurative um, phrases in the Bible, Oh, Lord, lend me your ear. You know, we call right. that... Uh, uh, anthropomorphic language, where it's ascribing human qualities or human characteristics to God. Uh, and and we know that uh, John 4, 24 says that God is spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Yes. So physically, God won't have an ear, right? right? right. God won't have eyes. But um, but it's a way in which we can understand from a human standpoint mm-hmm. um, what God is all about and who God is and what God does. Yes. Uh, and so that's the literal part. And then the grammatical yes. part is understanding that the original languages, Old Testament, New Testament, were written in languages that have rules of grammar. Mm-hmm. And rules of grammar will help you to understand uh, passages of Scripture. So, you know, verbs, nouns, adjectives, those kinds of things. Yes. Um, and so 
you know, you need to understand a little bit of grammar. And then the historical setting, I teach that when you come to the Bible, think of at least two worlds. You have the ancient world where right. scripture took place and, and uh, was written, and then you have the modern world. In the ancient world, you do your exegesis or your interpretation and what have you, but then when you come to the modern world, that's where you do your application because application in the modern world doesn't necessarily look like application in the ancient world. Yes. And what I mean by that is, you know, like sacrifice. Sacrifice in the Old Testament typically meant that they were going to kill an animal and a lot of blood all over the place. Well, um, in the modern world, people sacrifice, but I don't want to go to the church where they're sacrificing animals. No, <laughs> no, I don't either. I don't either. You know, so, so, uh, but they do sacrifice. They sacrifice yes. their time, talents, right. treasure, yeah. and their temple. Yes. You know, uh, on a weekly, daily basis, yeah. if you will. Living sacrifice. Ab absolutely, yes. absolutely. Yeah. And so, you just have to understand yeah. that that there are a historical context or historical setting. Yeah. I like to add context to that discussion as well because. Mm -hmm. Um, there's this larger context in which activities uh, happen or events take place in the Bible, and we need, and, and in order to interpret that passage, you need to interpret it within its context. And that's the information that comes before, the information that comes after, uh, and, and, uh, and so that's the approach that I like to take. As Dr. Anderson says, context is key. Absolutely. And, absolutely. and I do agree with that because, absolutely. my goodness, you, you've got to know who they were talking to absolutely. and what had taken place before absolutely. they made, before Christ made this, you know, reference or whatever. So, yeah, that's sure. so critical sure. because if you don't, if you take it out of context, uh, it seems that's where we get so many misinterpretations of the Bible today. Absolutely. You're mm -hmm. absolutely right. So it's very important that you take a look at the context and not just simply carve out this one particular uh, verse. Um, when I'm teaching the class, uh, I, uh, I'll draw a design on the board, yeah. and, uh, and I'll ask them, okay, tell me what is that? And you, I'll get all of these statements like, oh, that's the state of Texas. Oh, that's a woman's shoe. No, that's Louisiana. You know, and, and, and I write them all down on the board, right? What they say. Yeah, yeah. and everybody's laughing because, uh -huh. you know, everybody got a different view of what that is. But my point is simply this. Everybody had to guess at what it was because I had taken it out of its context. Mm. And so then I draw a bigger border and around, and then they can see that it's a piece of a puzzle. Okay. And so okay. now they can say, okay, that's a piece of a puzzle. Well, yes, it is. Why? Because now you see the larger context. Oh. You see where it fits. Yes. And so it's the same way with the Bible. If we take something out of context, it's hard to interpret or understand it until you put it back in its context and understand how it relates to everything around it. That is a beautiful analogy and one that I can see really makes the picture clear. So I appreciate you sharing that with our no listeners. No problem. No problem. Well, in closing, uh, why is God's grace important to our discussion today about studying God's Word? Well, studying? grace is important, one, uh, because uh, all, of, all of sin and come short of the glory of God. Mm -hmm. So all of us are due the penalty yes. uh, of death because the wages of sin is death, right? So for God to uh, extend His grace is very, very important because if He didn't, we'd all be worthy of death, mm -hmm. right? Or we all should be dead. So he extends his grace. And so we talk about a God giving to us a love that we cannot earn and we cannot lose. And that's a pretty powerful, powerful idea yes. um, because uh, God can look at us, or I'll just 
focus on me. Uh, God can look at me, know uh, me inside out, uh, but yet he still loves me mm. um, and uh, allows me to be in his family and allow me to uh, share his word. And and I'll, I have to be just frank. You know, there's some things that I don't like about myself, mm. you know, that I'm still Same trying here. to improve, you know, mm. but yes. yet God still loves me. God still yes. cares about me. God still wants me to uh, be a part of his team. Mm -hmm. And so uh, it's uh, his grace um, that uh, allows us to, to be a part of that. Amen. Oh, thank you, Dean Haywood. This has been so helpful. Thank and you. I know that our listeners have been inspired. Well, we hope today's discussion has opened your eyes and your heart to see God in a more personal way today. Plan to join us for future podcasts as together we grow in our knowledge of God's grace. Perhaps God is calling you to continue your education through Grace School of Theology. Be sure to visit our website for details. We'd love to get your feedback. We've set up a couple of ways for you to communicate with us. Email questions or comments to saving_grace at gsot.edu. You can also follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at SavingGraceCast. Thanks for tuning in today. And remember... The love of Christ can never be earned and can never be lost. You have been listening to Saving Grace, a podcast ministry of Grace School of Theology. For more information, visit gsot.edu slash savinggrace. Views expressed on this podcast may not always be the views of Grace School of Theology or its leadership.